Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. My name is Rusty George, and I am your host. Back in the fall of 2021, I got to go attend a conference called Spire that was held in Nashville, Tennessee. They brought in all kinds of different speakers to talk about the state of the church post-COVID, and one of those speakers was a young woman by the name of Savannah Kimberlin. She works for the Barna Group, which provides research, data, information, and solutions for churches. They have such a great and rich history of helping the church move forward, and she came to play. She brought great stats, great slides, and great information as to what we are seeing in our culture with the church, and it's not all bad. She has some very inspiring things to say about the next generation that you are going to want to hear because it impacts your next generation as a church. So, Savannah Kimberlin is on the podcast today. I cannot wait for you to hear from her. Today, we are sponsored by Growmentum. And if you missed last week's episode, make sure you go check it out because Growmentum is a consulting group that can help your church. Whether you're a church of 100 or a church of 10,000, Growmentum can help. They can help you define goals, they can help you reach your goals, and they can help you bring your organization along with you in the process. So, go to growmentumgroup.com and they can provide the resources that you need. Well, here's my conversation with Savannah. I think you're going to really enjoy what she has to say. Savannah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. For our listeners that don't know you and are not aware of the Barna Group, would you give us a brief tutorial on who you are and what the Barna Group does? Sure. Hey, Rusty. Happy, happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Yeah, my name is Savannah Kimberlin. I am a research director at Barna Group. And for those of you who don't know who we are, we are a Christian research company. We've been around for 30 years. We're headquartered in Ventura, California, but we have employees spread out all over the nation. And we specialize in studying and researching the intersection of faith and culture. So keeping our eye on faith and religious trends, particularly in the U.S., but also around the world. And then we publish books on our findings and uh, produce lots of content, hoping to put our findings into the hands of church leaders so they can lead more confidently and, and, and be more informed. So that's why we exist. And it's really a, a wonderful, a wonderful job. I love what I get to do. <laughs> Well, I'm curious, what makes a person decide, I think I'd like to be a director of research? That seems like a very heady, uh, tedious, in the weeds kind of job. Is that something you've always wanted to do, but not known the title for it? Right. Isn't that funny? I actually get asked that a lot. Like, how did you even land here? Um, Right. So I was a math major in college. I've always loved numbers, loved statistics. And then after college, went to grad school and then ended up in the software development, big data space for a while. But I've always, for my whole life, been actively involved in the local church and love the local church um, very much. And so it was a dream for me, even when I was in college, um, to to hopefully someday blend my love for the church with my love for math. But I knew that was such a niche kind of a thing, like who gets an opportunity to actually do that professionally. And, um, and so I knew of Barna obviously because of my passions. And so when the opportunity came around for me 
to apply to join the team, which now is about four years ago, a little more than four years ago, I jumped on it. And uh, long story short, here I am and I get to love on the local church and I get to do math every day. So it's a lot of fun. You're right. I mean, that's not a combination a lot of people think of. I, I went to Bible college because they didn't have math. So that right? was great. <laughs> if I never a, have to take algebra or pre-calculus, that's a win. That's what most people think in this That's in this right. World. That's yeah. right. And, you know, as a pastor, we refer to it as pastor's math, which is usually one to a hundred. You know, that seems mm -hmm. to be the way we count. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Well, I, I love that that combination. Um Help us understand uh, how to how to look at data. And here's what I mean by that. There's a phrase that says the trend is your friend. And I think as pastors who we we you know we we read the the studies that come out, Barna research, Pew research, Gallup polls. If it's really basic, it helps us understand a few things. But if we're just kind of looking at trends and all of that. How do we walk the line between being too obsessed with it and how do we pull the right information from it that can actually impact what we do? Yeah. Right. Well, I think this is a really important conversation, especially for church leaders, many of whom, like we just said, this doesn't come easy. This isn't natural for them to think like a researcher or to think like an analyst, right? So um, data is helpful because it can be our North Star. Research is helpful because it can be our North Star. I think at Barna, we encourage leaders um, absolutely 100% trust your gut instinct. Absolutely 100% follow the Holy Spirit as you're leading your church, as you're leading your small group, whatever. Absolutely. But sometimes having data in front of us or research in front of us to quantify or even count things um, can help center us in our leadership to be more confident in our decision making. So it's, it's a fine line there and it's, it's a balance. So to answer your question then of what does it look like as a leader to cut through the noise, right? And to find the stuff that really matters. Um, I would say choose the stuff, choose to listen to the stuff that slaps you across the face choose to to follow the trends or to to really lean into the trends that surprise you. I think often we encourage leaders um, when they're when they're processing our data or our research is we ask them what surprised you? That's the first thing we ask because the things that surprise us are often the things that we didn't see coming. And those are the things that we need to think more deeply about because maybe those are the things that are not necessarily lining up with our gut instinct. So there needs to be some course correction. Mm -hmm. um, so to be to really be that data informed leader just means um, committing to the work of of reading your Barna emails or you know reading those Gallup polls but not trying to understand everything, just focus on the things that surprise you. That's, that's probably what I would recommend. I like that. I think that, uh, I, I historically have been a little bit, um, uh, knee jerk reaction. I see a trend and think, uh Oh, now it's time to shut down everything we do, try something entirely different. But I've learned that, uh, mm, small tweaks here and there, and let's see how the trend kind of, uh, plays out. So I want you to talk a little bit about trends that you've seen, uh, specifically, let's start with this before COVID. Okay. Mm -hmm. It seems like this has become the new mile marker in our lives, right? Pre COVID, post COVID. It's true. 
Uh, and you're in Georgia, so COVID's over for you. We're in California and we're, uh, we're still masking <laughs> and everything. So uh, pre-COVID, what were the trends that you saw in the church? And now post-COVID, what do you see? And, and what has surprised you about maybe what's changed or what's new or what's different? Yeah, Rusty, when you sent me this question ahead of time, it's like, what was the church like before COVID? I had to kind of gather myself for a second because I was like, I don't know if I remember <laughs> uh, what I life was like in 2019. What is right. eons ago? Um, yes. Yeah, so things that we were generally observing in the church, I would say at the end of 2019, as we were closing out that year, two thing, two things that we really saw. One is that church attendance was going down especially with young people. So even before the pandemic, mm -hmm. we were observing um, since right around 2008, 2009-ish, right around that time, we, um, we've been observing a downward trend for frequency of church attendance or even just people attending church at all, especially with young people. So just a data point for us, for, for young people, what we observed with millennials back in 2019 um, was that about half of the millennials that were raised in the church when they entered adulthood or their independent phase of life, they left the church. So it's about half um, mm. that chose to walk away from churches or from practicing their faith or being connected to the body of Christ, right? So we, we definitely saw some concerning trends there. Um, I would say on the plus side, though, a positive trend that we observed is there already was before the pandemic, a notable increase in the church in mental health conversations. Um, we had done a couple significant projects on that topic. Um, quite a few church leaders were already seeking out guidance or data on the mental health crisis in the U.S., especially among young adults. So we were already, you know, kind of preparing ourselves, maybe even prophetically for what was to come in the next two years, knowing that, um, that a lot, a lot was going to be disrupted. So that's, that's stuff that we observed in 2019. Mm -hmm. So when you see that, you observe that, first of all, half the millennials are not going to church uh, after they graduate, uh, and the stat that you gave there, do, do you have a reason why? And I'm sure there's several, but can, you know, does your data show anything that gives us a reason as to why they've chosen that? Yeah. Top three reasons. Actually, we did a study called the connected generation where we dove into the experiences of millennials in the U S and around the world. And top three reasons that we found in that study, number one, their first reason was, I prefer to distance myself from the politics of the church. That was mm. their first reaction. Number two, the church does not answer my questions. And number three, the church cannot answer my questions. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would have assumed they had a problem with God, meaning pain and suffering, or they had a problem with people, meaning hypocrites in the church. But this is a lack of dealing with relevant issues, questions. Uh, are they equipped to answer it? Do they even attempt to answer it? That's that's really interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Course. I will say the hypocritical argument, it is in the top 10 for sure. I think a lot of people yeah. are concerned about the church being hypocritical. But we're almost turning a, a page 
in in our book when it comes to younger generations. Whereas I would say Gen X, so think people like in their late 30s and 40s, that's the generation with a lot of church hurt, if you think about it. And so now we have almost a blank slate with people in their 20s, primarily, who have not necessarily been hurt by the church um, because they haven't had as much interaction with the church, maybe. So in a way, that's kind of a good thing <laughs> that the the hypocritical reputation of the church is not nearly as prominent um, of an opinion in, in the yeah. hearts and minds of young people. Just because they haven't been around us long enough, apparently. I know. It's like, well, I guess it's a good thing in, a, in kind of a, a, a strange backwards way. That's really interesting. Okay. So post-COVID, uh, and I heard you speak at a conference uh, a few months ago, which was fascinating. And and you had some interesting insights into what people are thinking now. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are you kind of seeing the, some of the same things? And you had one particular stat about Gen Z and evangelism, which was really interesting to me. Talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing now as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, man, so much we could talk about. So much we could talk about. I've pulled a couple of highlights that I want to I want to share with our listeners today. Um, the first highlight of where where are we headed now that we're emerging out of the pandemic? It's very clear in our data that we are now in a rebuilding season with discipleship. And what we mean by that is um, a statistic that we actually found at the end of 2021. We asked practicing Christians. So these are Christians who, over the course of the pandemic, like chose to remain connected to their church. Like these are the people that stuck around. Um, We saw that only four in 10 of them. So about 40% of them said that over the last year, they'd grown a lot in their personal walk with Jesus or in their, their Mm -hmm. spiritual relationship with Jesus, which is low for practicing Christians. So even the people that have stayed connected to our churches they're evaluating themselves in their areas of lack in their areas of need. And they're being honest with themselves and saying, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really grow that much. So the majority of them are saying that. And um, many of them are hurting even just in their souls, right? Maybe their finances are, are still intact and, um, and their relationships are doing okay, but their souls might be, hurting a little bit. So they're very aware of the areas of lack. And um, so what does it look like for us as church leaders to fill that gap with discipleship and to step in Mm -hmm. and to maybe make up some, some lost ground. So that's, that's one thing that we're seeing. The second is um, we, this is probably another not so great piece of news. I promise I do have good news pieces of news to share too. But <laughs> bad another first. not always so great the bad news. first. I know, I know. I hit you with the bad first. Um, so at the end of 2021, we we released this statistic in the media and the thing blew up. I mean, we got so much press from this one number. It was crazy. Um, but we we saw that 38% of pastors said that they had given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within Mm -hmm. the past year. Um, And we saw that that number was higher among female clergy and Mm -hmm. among leaders in Protestant mainline denominations as well. So the more like liturgical denominations, they're struggling even more so. It's 38%. It's about 
again, four in 10 leaders um, saying that they're really burnt out. And so what does it look like now marching into 2022, knowing that our leaders are tired? Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Rusty, thinking about that conference that you and I were at earlier in 2021, a big focus of the conference was, hey, let's be honest with ourselves as leaders about how we're doing and let's prioritize healing for our own hearts and our mm-hmm. own spirits. So what is that healing journey going to look like for church leaders, knowing that so many people are struggling? Um, mm-hmm. I would say that's that's probably the second the second thing we need to keep in mind. Um, thirdly, to end on that that positive note, I think that Gen Z stat that you were referring to, the evangelism conversation, really, really fascinating as we emerge out of the pandemic and we're seeing Gen Z in particular. So like college kids and teenagers, they're, they're Gen Z today. Um, seeing them very open to spirituality. Um, seeing Christian Gen Zers eager to engage in spiritual conversations and evangelism. The vast majority of Christians are having faith conversations with their non-Christian friends. Um, they are, they're, they're bought into this and they're really eager to talk about things that matter and spirituality mm-hmm. matters to them. So the front door for evangelism is wide open and um, as as we think about where the church is headed, it's a, it's very promising to know that um, that young people today, especially, are eager to have conversations about about their faith. Hey, I want to interrupt just to say thanks to GrowMentumGroup.com. GrowMentum is sponsoring the podcast, and they can help your church go further faster. So make sure you check out GrowMentumGroup.com. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to move from a statistician um, and more uh, into more of a, uh, I guess, giving us some ideas of being practical here. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that, uh, you know, I'll I'll give you a a pass on this. But if you're a consultant, you come into a church that pre-COVID was crushing it with weekend attendance and, uh, you know, all the things that we typically would indicate as our metrics. And now, you know, most churches are down 30%. Um, a, a lot of people aren't naturally gravitating to the large gathering, whether they're scared of COVID or whether they just don't feel it's relevant to their lives. Mm-hmm. But they're very interested in talking about spirituality. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a church, thinking about maybe even your own church, that they should start in the next three months that would help uh, meet that need? We have got to start thinking about discipleship holistically. Churches before COVID were killing it when it came to spiritual formation. Obviously, that's our bread and butter. That's what we know. That's what we do. But what does it look like to disciple people vocationally? And what does it look like to offer not just preaching, but programs to help people with their finances? And I'm talking about more than just hey, if you want to join a Dave Ramsey group, go ahead and do it. Like, what does it look like to fully commit ourselves to holistic discipleship? Um, Because like I said, people right now are very aware of their areas of lack. Very aware. I think whereas, especially among older adults, 
often we can compartmentalize um, our spiritual life and put it in a box and put our faith formation into that box and, and our church involvement into a box. And like, that's my spirit and it's separate from everything else. That's just yeah. not an option anymore because of what we've walked through. So in the next three months, evaluate your programs and ask yourselves, are we taking care of people holistically? Because that is clearly what they're needing and wanting. Um, or are we still only focusing on spiritual formation? Does that make sense? It does. And what I've noticed is historically we provided a lot of, you know, content where you show up, I teach, you fill out some blanks in a book and leave and feel good about yourself because you did that. Whether you do anything with that is up to you. But what seem, what people seem to be revolting against is this master teacher and student relationship. What they'd really like is a conversation. Are you seeing that? I need to talk through all areas of my life in a relational form rather than a, I show up and hear you tell me what to do. Yes, for sure. For sure. I think preaching will always have its place in the church and teaching will always, teaching from a pulpit will always have its place. But um, it, it's it's hard <laughs> to communicate to pastors who love preaching and teaching and to tell them that getting in circles instead of rows is is really what the people need right now. I know that's a cliche phrase that a lot of churches do use to describe their culture, right? But it's true. And the research shows that. And it, if you were to ask me then why, what, like, why is that what people are needing? It's because people are confused. Um, yep. And we see over and over again in our research that people are asking themselves right now, why is church worth my time? And how does church help my life be better? Right. And, and we need an answer for them and we need to let them process that because that's a very real thing that they're feeling and thinking. Yeah. And it almost seems like, you know, to go back to one of your statements that you made about pastors wanting to quit, I feel like for many of us, especially those that are, that are even older than me or those of us that were very successful at what we were doing pre-COVID, it's like someone changed the game from football to baseball. And we weren't trained to be baseball players. We were mm -hmm. trained to be football players. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have to throw a pass or, you know, block or whatever. I got to learn how to hit a fastball. And some of us are thinking, I don't want to learn all over again. Right. I mean, do, are you sensing this? Uh, you know, everything's changing. You know, we talk about going from preaching to relational conversation. Some of us just aren't wired that way. And I think it's frightening for us. Oh yeah. I will say we've, we've done a lot of, of analysis in the past couple of weeks, even on looking at the pastors who are wanting to quit, <laughs> you know, what, what really is going on there. And one of the things that is spiking for these leaders that are just, they're so done, they're really struggling when it comes to interpersonal relationships with their congregants right now. How do I help my people yeah. How do I give them what they need? How do I navigate conflict or differing opinions? Like it's interpersonally, it's hard to be a leader right now. And that's something that is overwhelming quite a few leaders. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then you add on all the issues with uh, politics and, you know, divisiveness and uh, riots in the streets and fear mongering. And mm -hmm. it's just, there's so many voices in our head and it's hard. And we get back to discipleship. I get them for 30 minutes 
uh, hopefully once a week. It's probably more like once every six weeks, but their favorite news outlet gets them eight hours a day. So it's hard to disciple somebody with just 30 minutes. It, it really makes it overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yes, we we feel for for leaders, but a good first step is to maybe even just make peace with the idea that preaching from the pulpit is not going to be your primary ministry output for the next 12 months. Like maybe that's just not what your people are needing mm-hmm. primarily, like it's your fundamental thing that you are blessing your people with and giving to your people. And and what does it look like to make peace with that or to wrestle through that as a leader? Um, mm. It's a good place to start. Well, and back to your issue with soul care. I mean, if if pastors, myself included, if we're facing a crisis of identity because our uh, our strong skill set before COVID is not needed after COVID, maybe we need to really wrestle with where our identity is found, which is tough for us that uh, that place it into our job, which yes. I know no one's ever wrestled with that except me. But <laughs> of course, okay. <laughs> so I want I to shift gears a little bit because you did mention that Gen Z is open to talking about their faith. They just don't do it in the ways that we typically do. Mm-hmm. What are ways that you find that people engage with these conversations in a healthy way? It used to be, hey, come to my church. But now it's, no, let's sit and have a cup of coffee and talk about this. What are you noticing people are doing that's really helping m- move that conversation along? Yeah. Um, I will say, so the whole landscape, this may seem like a very bold statement, but the whole landscape for evangelism training for evangelism methods is shifting. Hmm. Whereas before it was the Romans road or the ABCs, or let me sit down and in 20 minutes, I'll present the gospel and bring you to a point of decision that, that really is not the way to go anymore when we're talking about the needs and wants of, of people today. Um, it's a slow process that's grounded in trust and openness and friendship. That's really Mm. important. It looks like not just one cup of coffee, but maybe three or four over the course of a couple months where we're, we are processing as equals pains and doubts and struggles and truth. Um, And we're having healthy conversations where we're honoring each other rather than just, I'm a Christian and I'm telling you about Christianity because it's the good news of the gospel. And so of course you're going to think it's the best thing you've ever heard in your whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think there are pros and cons to that because we have to commit to to the long journey with people, and we um, we really have to put in the work in order to bring people to a place of conversion. But I think really just the moment in time that we're living in is all about um, self discovery in every mm-hmm. sense of the word. I mean, in yoga, <laughs> like like the yoga phenomena or. Um, the <laughs> with people quitting their jobs left and right, like everything right now is all about self discovery mm-hmm. and and wholeness. And so, having the same process of self discovery for sp- things of a spiritual nature, um, that's that's where we're headed. Okay, let me shift gears here a little bit. Uh, as you look at the trends, what are you seeing when it comes to generosity? 
Are mm. people post COVID more generous because they see the pain in the world? Are they less because they fear a recession or they're dealing with inflation or they fear another outbreak? What, what are you seeing when it comes to people's generosity? Well, firstly, over the course of the pandemic, we saw that giving actually did not go down in many churches. That was the minority kind of experience where very few churches actually saw a decline in giving. Um, we recently did ask practicing Christians what their current giving behaviors are to the church. And um, the distribution of like percentages of the, the faithful churchgoers who are currently giving 10% or beyond, so our generous givers, is the same. If anything, it's upticked a little bit since before the pandemic. So to give you some numbers, um, before the pandemic, 27% of practicing Christians gave 10% or beyond. So there's about, think like one in four of those faithful congregants kind of fit in that category. That, that was national norms that we were observing. And right now it's 33%. So it's wow. actually gone up from one in four to one in three. Now there are fewer practicing Christians, right? Like we, we know that because, <laughs> because we know that people are, are still struggling to return to church and that's a whole, a whole nother conversation. But for those who are around more of the practicing Christians are being generous. So I, I think even us at Barna, we braced ourselves for um, major hits and declines when it comes, when it came to generosity I mean, us as an organization and us in our, our posture of how we're going to help church leaders, we were expecting major decline and it just didn't happen. So we're, mm -hmm. I mean, knock on wood everywhere, but it, it feels like generosity is fairly stable. Mm, that's really interesting. Uh, and I think uh, it has a lot to do with some of the people not being here. What I'm noticing is that uh, exactly what you're saying, now that 30% are just ghosts, as we refer to them, mm -hmm. um, the, the people that are here really want to be here. So for every pastor wishing that they could turn every weekend into a, uh, you know, a leadership conference or a, uh, you know, locker room talk for Christians, it, it kind of becomes that because you have a chance to really rally the troops and motivate them for what's next because they're, they're choosing to be here. Evangelism yeah. is no longer taking place on Sunday morning as much as it is out in coffee shops and local pubs and, uh, uh, in somebody's backyard over a fire pit, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, there's been a significant shift. What our, our CEO, David Kinneman, often says, and he's, he's saying it a lot these days, is, is, look, there were so many churchgoers who before the pandemic, they had their hand on the doorknob of the exit door, and they were looking for a reason to leave. And, and COVID was their reason, but they were already standing by that exit door and they already had their hand on the doorknob. Um, so they were just kind of looking, looking for that reason. And so they left, they're the ones that left. And so what, what does it look like now? Um, knowing that they have left and the tides have shifted and the people who are choosing to sit in the pews, um, even just their postures are different at large. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And what are the implications there for how we handle Sundays? Right. So good. Well, Savannah, this has been fascinating. And I hope for our listeners, they got a taste of, you know, just a little bit of what looking at the data can do for them. So mm -hmm. help us find out how to get more from Barna, how to connect with possibly you or your team online. Where, where do we find all this great information? 
Yeah. So our website is Barna.com. That's a great place to start. Uh, if you want to sign up for our weekly emails, you're you're welcome to do that on our website. Um, and I also wanted to let everybody know that we've actually been really hard at work over the last two, two and a half years, um, even before the pandemic, um, to build kind of like our own Netflix. So a, a subscription service for um, all things data-informed leadership. So not just our stats, but books and commentary and podcast interviews and videos and discussion guides and like you name it, sermon slides, even if mm -hmm. you want to throw a stat in your sermon and impress your people. So that's that's called Barna Access is the name of that subscription service. And if anybody listening today is really maybe deeply inspired or encouraged or wants to learn more about what it looks like to really be informed and to know the times and know what to do, I'd encourage you to go check out Barna Access. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for that information. Thanks for all the work you do. For those of us that don't love math uh, and don't <laughs> love the, the tediousness of this, you have made it very, very understandable. And though some of it's depressing, a lot of it's very encouraging mm -hmm. that Gen Z, though they've not been exposed to the church, they're sure interested in that God-shaped hole in their heart, uh, which we've all been trying to find ways to connect people to God with that. So Savannah, thank you. Uh, keep up the great work. And I really appreciate you being on Leading Simple. Yeah. Thank you, Rusty. Have a great day. Well, that was such great stuff. Thank you, Savannah, for being on the show. I'm so appreciative of your encouragement for our leaders. And even though there's some difficult things to hear, there's some really exciting things to hear as well. Uh, as we've been saying this month and for the next couple of months, if you'll leave a review of the podcast, we're going to collect all those and then randomly choose some of those reviews out of my hand as I print out all the reviews and give away some gifts at the end of the summer. So make sure sure you go and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, we're back with the Pastor Whisperer, a guy by the name of Lance Witt, who left megachurch life to go help pastors survive church life. He's a guy that has written incredible books on mental health, on the challenges that we face, and how even pastors can find a little bit of respite in a very difficult time. Lance Witt is with us next week. Make sure you're back with us. Cannot wait to have that conversation with him. We will talk to you next time. Leave a review, share the podcast, and as always, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.